This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. It's our season finale, so we'll be wrapping up the club season and looking forward to the summer of internationals ahead of the Rugby World Cup in September. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Goody, have you lost some weight? Genuinely. Genuinely. Stop it. Stop it. It's the last Rugby Pod of the season. Now you start being nice to me. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Guilty. Guilty as charged. Tell the what bike that. I've taken abuse for seven seasons now. I say abuse. It's, let's reword it, encouragement. <laughs> well, the description of the word and how you take the pain that Jim Hamilton and Andy Rowe, mainly Jim Hamilton, in your defence, Andy Rowe, have given me. A directive. Do you know what? It's, it was time. Jim said it. Goody, it's time. But then the flip of that, Jim, when we chatted about it once, it wasn't on a podcast, I don't think, over a Guinness. And I'm like, I probably should lose a load of timber, shouldn't I? Jim's response was, yeah, but it won't be the same. If you're like normal size and not fat, I won't be able to take the piss out of you. No, no one will appreciate Goody anymore. It'd be like a weirdo being skinny. So there's no chance I'm getting skinny, but I'm three kilos down in a week, lads. I said that when you were 10 kg smaller than you are now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that was in Dublin in 2022. Yeah. We're now in 2023. Yeah. You've gone overboard. <laughs> it's been a long season. There's been a lot of events. There's been a lot of dinners. There's been a lot of Guinness and Blackcurrant. And yeah, I'm I'm going strong for six weeks on the Watt bike. And then we'll see what happens after that. But time is now. Time is now. But what did you say to me on the phone? The Watt bike hurts. Not being around Jim's bush here, it hurts when you're on it. It's hard work. But then you do feel good and better for doing it afterwards. Like when you get off, your legs don't work. You've got jelly legs, haven't you? I nearly trip up the step from the garden back on the patio and I'm thinking, where's the vape? But Andrew, it does it does get better because at the minute, looking at your posture, and this will come as the belly reduces and the others decrease in size, as things get better for you, your posture on the bike will change. Therefore, it, everything becomes easier. So at the minute, you bolt upright because you can't bend over. You can't even sit properly while cycling. I was going to ask you, like you're a big tall freak in the nicest possible way. And you see all the cyclists, and on the what bike, you have those arm things where you can lean right forward and get into the... Handlebars. Well, it's not just the handlebars, because you can sit up and have the handlebars, can't you? But it's like leaning over it. Like a time trial. Yeah. Do you do that, Jim, where you like bend right forward and, you know, get aerodynamic on it? 
Well, one, you don't need to be aerodynamic on a static bike. Do you think my L4, L5 disc allows me to bend into that position? <laughs> no. Absolutely horrendous. No, no. it doesn't. That's why going on a road bike, as you saw, Andrew, when we did the three days, 350 miles for Ed last year. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Wow. In the blistering heat, I'm sat bolt upright because my back is absolutely buggered. So that's my excuse. But no, if you are... A professional cyclist, I'm sure you get into that position of aerodynamicness, but me or you, we don't need to worry about that. But I tried to lean forward on the watt bike because it's got the, it's got the little elbow or forearm pad, doesn't it, where you just lean forward. And I'm thinking that that's what the pros do. So being an ex rugby playing pro, you think I'm going to do what they do. But the cyclists, I've leant forward, tried to cycle, my belly wouldn't just get down there. So it, I was in agony. So I, I sat bolt upright again. <laughs> And off I went. But it's been good. I've done a week of it so far. I'm three kilos down. I've started something called a meal prep as well, where you bulk cook your food and count your calories. I've got kitchen scales. I'm a nose now. I'm a nose. Yeah, we'll see how we get on because... Three kilos. Yeah, three kilos in a week. I think I'm just dehydrated. But can you get the... De- I said a couple of months ago when Jim was like, oh, I've put on three kilos. I'm backing training. And do you remember I made the gag? Well, I can put on three kilos in a weekend just from eating and drinking, which I, I probably can. It's a lot to get three kilos off. But I'm enjoying the what bike, James. It's the love-hate relationship, but hopefully... Are you seeing it through? Uh, yeah, I'm, well, I've seen it through a week. And what is it? Give us a snapshot of what the week or the days look like. How many sessions have you got in your plan? So, I think it's five... Is it five what bike sessions? And then on the d- two down days, it's press-ups and abs. <laughs> <laughs> Genuine? I've not got them in mind. Is that genuinely yours? Yeah, so it's two days on. So you do a what bike session day one, what bike session day two. Day three is press-ups and abs. How does that look? Are you on your knees or not? No, mate, you've seen me do press-ups. You were surprised. I was surprised, but again, you've put on 10 kg since that point. Have I really? You have. That. This is why, mate. Desperate times <laughs> cause for desperate measures. Yeah. I've got one ab anyway. It's a good ab. It's all bought and paid for. But, mate, I'm trying my best, James. I'm doing the reverse of what I used to do. Gets the end of a season, and I'd just go hammer and tongs, eat, drink, go on holiday, and do whatever you can. Vape to the cow sheds and back. But the boys are getting to the end of their season, and they're all going off on holiday, and I'm starting my preseason. You're doing your first ever preseason training. Listen, I'm enjoying it. Ask me in a week or so. Tell the arse that as well. Jeez. Mate, that's what Gilly was all about, weren't he, with that? The lube, effectively. He called it the butt butter. So I've been layering that on. Andy Rope, we need the secret Santa back because one of the gift sets that was brought brought with all the dildos in there was some cream and there was some gel <laughs> that stuff will work i think there was producer robs he's emptied that out he's shaking his head it's gone <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you need that's what he's talking about it's called what's it called it's called andy Rowe. you know it's shemmy or chamois or something chamois cream he called it butt butter back there yeah but they're weird kiwis are weird i've got one called utterly smooth utterly smooth Utterly smooth. I, I put it on the others as well because you know when you put the the bib, <laughs> the bib vest on for the cycle, just covers the nipples. The mankini. Yeah, the, it's the mankini basically with a pad on your bum, and it just covers the nipples. So I put a bit of nipple cream on as well. So there's not. So too when much. you put that on, genuinely, where are the <laughs> <laughs> where where are the others? Hey, fuck you, I'm trying here. They, <laughs> I know. Do, do you fold them out the t- out the sides or do you just let them be like a wrestler? Yeah, I did a bit of a flash to the boss last night, and she was like, "Go away." So, uh, yeah. I'm proud of you. Andrew, genuinely, keep going. What bike? Big shout out to them because they are saving lives here. <laughs> Did you say you're proud of me, James? If you get through it, I will be, yeah. Oh, I thought you just said... I thought you could do it as well. I thought you said you're proud of me. I, I 
about to say that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me, but I will do it for everyone here and all the fat blokes like my good self. No, no, no. You need to do it for yourself. Yeah, I'll do it for myself. But the amount of banter and messages I've had, and fair play, people are like, good on you. I'm going to join you. But I can't see what they're doing. I can just know and see what I'm doing. So uh, one week down, boys, five to go, and then there'll be an explosion. We'll meet up in six weeks, lads, and we're having a go, I'll tell you. Well, we can. We've got the World Cup lined up. So me and you are going to look a million dollars. Like people, just think, Andrew, think back to when this all began. The British and Irish Lions Tour in New Zealand, 2017. Will Greenwood said, here come the two clowns. I think about the difference now going to the World Cup in France. We're going to be walking down the Chandelier. I don't even know if you can walk down it because it's absolute carnage with all the cars, but we're going to walk down it. There's riots there as well, actually. You're going to be that bulletproof that we are going to waltz through them protests Walk straight past Will Greenwood, who called us a clown. Shirts off, shredded to the oh, hold on, necklaces hold on. on. Hold on. Can I keep a vest on? Yes, actually, yeah. <laughs> you keep your vest on, but we are going into France 2023 bulletproof. There we go. We're going to sail in there on the Infinity Cruise. Have you guys heard about this? Yes. Well, kind of. Come on, Andy Rowe, tell us okay. more. Sell it to us. England and Wales fans are going to love this. We're going to sail down the French Riviera for the England v Japan and Wales v Portugal games, all aboard a luxury floating resort. And the good news is you can come and join us. All the food and drink is included, loads of accommodation options to choose from for all budgets, flights and match tickets included. And we'll be doing a live show on board on Friday the 15th of September. Prices start from 1250 quid per person for three nights, all-inclusive, with official match tickets, flights, food and drink, and all amenities on board as well. All listeners to the Rugby Pod can join us and get 10% off by using the code TRP10 when booking via phone or sending in an inquiry via email. And for more details, just visit infinitysportstravel.com forward slash TRP. 1,250 quid for an all-you-can-eat three days and match tickets. That is value. Can we count calories on the uh, on the ship? I think you're going to be done with counting calories by the time we get to the World Cup. Yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be 95 kilos by then, lads. Andrew, you're going to need to input calories. You're going to be that muscly that you're gonna you're gonna need calories i think he's taking the piss now isn't he who's skipper in the boat you you're our skips jim that's what i wanted you to say yep yep so i'm skippering and where's it going from and to it's going from marseille to toulon we're fueling friday night on a boat boats and lads jim do you want to talk about what you've been doing with the world cup this week so i've gone to dublin with the champions cup carried that out old topper here jim hamilton he's gone one bigger he's gone to paris with the world cup over to you james very different, Andrew, because as you know, Andy Rowe, if you didn't know, even though you are a Kiwi, if you haven't won the World Cup, you're not allowed to touch the trophy. So, Andrew, you carried out the Champions Cup trophy. I was allowed to be in the same building as the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup, but I wasn't allowed to touch it. But Really? No, you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed. With gloves on you are, white gloves, but I'm not doing it with that. Like, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve to touch the trophy with or without gloves. But yeah, look, I was there with the Beast, with World Rugby as creative director. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely loved it. So it was 100 days to go, activation, so 100 days out. I can't even remember how many days it was now, but the countdown is on. And went full noise. Saw big Bill Beaumont as well. He was asking for you, Goody. Awake? 
he was wide awake. Tell him, did you put him to bed? As you know, Bill Beaumont is a legend. He's a great he? bloke. He is a good bloke. He is a wicked, wicked, genuine rugby man. He's brilliant. And I mean, he was busy. He was busier than me the whole time. I'm just there involved with videos and doing the creative stuff. He's around doing all the formalities and stuff like that. And he was still keen to kick on in the nightclub after. I'm like, Bill, I'm done, mate. Go on, Bill. And he's like, if Goody was here, I said, yes, if Goody was here, he wouldn't have gone to bed, Bill. So <laughs> let's bring it. Let's bring him on board. The old Goody well. wouldn't have gone to bed, but this new one for six weeks. It's, would be, he'd be in bed by seven no. and be getting his eight, nine hours sleep. He'd be reading books and he'd be on the car map the next day, meditating, hit your ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but great time. Paris, we're ready. And then just back home to the kids? Back home to the kids, as we know. I have got to a point now where I'm having weekends off. Screen time was down as well. Thanks for asking. 10 hours to 8 hours? No, no. From about six and a half hours a day to it was an hour on Saturday. An hour? That's a lie. I've had poos with my phone out for longer than an hour in a day. On Saturday, my screen time was an hour and nine minutes all day. Well done, Jim. That is top parenting. It's called being present. Yes. Is that what... Rebecca's been telling you to be more of. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> when you're at home, we need you more present, not on your phone. I said, yeah, it's work. She said, that's what you always say. Why is that noise? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Every time you open a WhatsApp message. I was like, yes, I thought it was a work message. Someone sent through a funny WhatsApp message. No, so I'm proud of myself. That's my big work on, is being more present and off the devices, and it has worked. So, yeah, quite a weekend with the kids. Andrew, you were on the after-dinner circuit. I love it. Why are you saying that you love the after-dinner circuit when I know that that isn't true? It's very true. <laughs> I love it. Is it? It's good fun. I would, so I did uh, Mistley Rugby Club's 40th anniversary dinner on Saturday night. Big shout-out to everyone at Mistley Rugby Club. Big fans of the pod. Yeah, over in Colchester. What a place. I had to drive on Saturday because I had to get back for something on Sunday with the fam. And... Thank God I drove, basically. Thank God. Would you have stayed? If you didn't have something on Sunday, would you have stayed? Well, no, well, the the Watt bike would have been calling me back. But ordinarily... Uh, There you go. (laughs) Exactly. Andrew. (laughs) Exactly. Ordinarily, I'd have stayed and got on the batter. And yeah, Colchester, what a place. Good people at that club. It was good fun. And I I do enjoy doing it. You know, I'm I'm self-deprecating when I speak. A load of stories come out. Bit of banter. You see the heart of rugby don't you? you see the real rugby fans and the rugby community i enjoy doing them don't necessarily enjoy the drive back when i get home at two in the morning so maybe i should just stay and drink responsibly but that's never possible until the what bike gets involved and then you have to drink responsibly so it's in the car but great night really enjoyed it mistley rugby club happy 40th i'm older than that rugby club but they got me to speak at their dinner so uh, it was good fun and i even fitted into my black tie suit so um it was a bit baggy actually Three kilos down. We'll address this later down the line. Let's get through the next few weeks and months and we'll maybe put a donation together. Like we'll put a call to action to get your suits tailored. There we go. Well, Andy Farrell's named as 42-man Ireland squad to prepare for the World Cup. What do you guys make of it so far? There was one for me that missed out, who I think has been carving up for Munster, Jean Klein. Yeah. He's been one of their standout players. But then you look at the quality that they've got in the second row. Ryan Beard, who's that hybrid second row. Out of a player. Ian Henderson as well. We know how well liked he is, albeit has had injury problems along the way. James Ryan. Kieran Treadwell. So, I don't know. Jean-Claude, for me, when I look at the names in there, probably should have been in ahead a couple of them. But 
again, we're talking about Andy Farrell. He knows what he's doing, doesn't he? So, But the backs, I was quite surprised by Jordan Lama's exclusion from the squad. That is talent. Speed, gas. And I know that they've got, but like Jim said, Andy Farrell knows what he's doing and they've got an abundance of talent out there. But Lama, anytime you, he gets his hands on the ball and you watch him, and he's had his injury issues, I know, but he's a freak. And I mean that in a nice way. Beats defenders, has got X Factor in him. So he's the one that stood out as an exclusion and a bit of a surprise. But Andy Farrell, he's got his squad in a position where they're number one team in the world, Grand Slam champions. They've got a horrific group in terms of being the best team in the world, South Africa and Scotland. And the question marks will be until they get past the quarterfinals, who knows what's going to happen. But best ever position there they can be in, in the form they're in as a national team and the players at his disposal. And to be able to leave those two out means that you're bloody strong as well. Well, they'll have to get past Scotland to get out of the group. And they've named their initial squad, haven't they, Jim? You think Ireland are worrying about getting past Scotland? Aye. All the pressure's on Ireland, Andrew, and we'll be pushing that narrative as we get closer to the World Cup and really pushing it on them via the rugby pod. And that way, they're going to really feel the heat, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, of course they are. Dan Sheehan was meant to come on today. Big shout out to you, Dan Sheehan. He's gone on holiday instead. I said, mate, you've not lived if you've not come on the rugby pod and therefore it's not going to be good luck for you. What are the headlines from it? Johnny Gray, he's the headline one that is going to miss out or has missed out, but had a horrible injury. We spoke about it on the pod here. When Exeter played La Rochelle in Champions Cup, dislocated his knee. So he's looking at four months minimum. You never know though. Long-term injury, he's a big-time player. He may come in later on in the tournament. Like you forget, we're now in June, right? It's a long competition because there's a week, and I don't know what Scotland's, I'm sure Scotland will be the same. England have got effectively two weeks between a game. So there are there is a lot of downtime. It's not back-to-back weekends. You remember when they used to squeeze it in, there'd be a four or five-day turnaround. England actually, and I haven't looked and dived deep into Scotland's fixtures and when they sit, but England definitely have a weekend off, and a lot of other teams do as well, where... You're either on the red wine in France or the rosé for two weeks. But there will be opportunities for players. And we, you know, we're talking about initial squads here, but for someone like Johnny Gray, if he can bounce back and he's, you know, he's obviously a fit bloke in terms of what he's performed over the years, if he can bounce back from that injury, there's still a chance he can make it, right? Yeah, there is, yeah. And I think looking at the squad even deeper, this is the most settled squad. I've seen two and cap players, Cameron Henderson, who's been brilliant for Leicester. Yes. And Stafford McDowell, who's been playing at Glasgow, big rangy centre. Just to go over some names, Ewan Ashman, big fan of him at Hooker. I could see him pushing his way into start. Spoke about Jack Dempsey loads on here. Roy Darge as well. We spoke about how good he was before he picked up that nasty injury. He started picking up a bit of form at the back end of the season for Glasgow. So, now looking good. Stuart Hogg, the last dance for the World Cup as well. Yeah, I think Scotland are a decent place. I know we're a long way out. People might not be like, oh gosh, tell us more, tell us more about Scotland. Got a few warm-up games as well to get through and then we're into it, aren't we? All pressures on all the teams, but like you said, the pool that we're in is going to be tough, but I think we're in a decent spot. And then Gatlin's named a pretty inexperienced side. Well, no, obviously no Ellen jones or Tipperick, obviously with their retirements, but do you think he's kind of riding off their chances and going for experience looking further down the track or has he got a decent chance at this team to make an impact? Or do you think Alan Wynne-Jones, Reese Webb, Justin Tipperick decided not to go because 
They didn't want to. Whose decision do you think it is? I think it's Gatland's. Not what I'm hearing. What are you hearing? Oh, Andrew. Good. Here he is. Like, you look at it, and Reese Webb came out and said, there's the issues in Welsh rugby. I need to look after my family. And he's obviously going to have an opportunity to go and play abroad and sign a contract. Same thing that Jack Noel did for England. He's gone over to La Rochelle, taken himself out of the World Cup picture. But with these guys, I'm hearing that they ain't up here. As you say in Leicester, they ain't up here. And they're just like, actually, do you know what? I don't I don't want it anymore in that environment. And it's going to be a harsh environment because Gats has come in and ultimately they were poor in the Six Nations, weren't they? And he is now obviously trying to change the narrative in what's going on at the squad. And it's, it's hell for leather for them to try and catch up with other teams. And I've heard the environment isn't a happy place to be. So the easy decision for them is to take themselves out of the equation. I might be wrong. It's just what my sources are telling me. And when your heart's not in it for one reason or another, and I'm not talking about pulling on the Wales jersey, I'm talking about the whole thing of getting to a World Cup in an environment, some players think, actually, I don't want to do that. And we've seen it previously. And then everyone just has to suck it up and get on. But I'm, I'm desperately sad that Tipperick, who's been an absolute stalwart for Wales over the years, Alan Wynne-Jones, the most capped international rugby player ever, he's not going to be there. When I actually think his performances still put him good enough to go to the World Cup for Wales. I'm not saying he's the player that he was, but for Wales, he is definitely, you know, in the top three second rows that could make an impact on that team. Yeah, or four. I've I'll just had a look at the squad without being harsh. So they are going in thin as well. Justin Tipperick, there's an argument. I know we spoke about how good he was for Ospreys in one of the matches at the end of the season. But you look at the quality of the back row, like Aaron Wainwright, we know that Gatlin's a huge fan of him. You've still got Talupi Falatau. Tane Basham is back fit again, who, when he played for Wales, was a top player as well. Jack Morgan yeah. as well has been brilliant. So I think in the back row, they've got a bit of strength and depth as well. Did I mention Tommy Rafael? If I haven't, then I have now. He's playing extremely well. So you could see why a Tipperick wouldn't be in that squad. Reese Webb came back in. He got man of the match against Italy in the Six Nations. Apart from that... Like, it's not me being harsh. I'm just trying to kind of see the reasoning behind it. But, yeah, a lot of happened in Wales. Gatlin's got a lot of fixing to do. And you've seen, talking about fixing, made a big call this week. Rhys Carey, the Cardiff prop, who was at Sarries for a bit, got dropped from the squad. And the statement was, he had fallen short in his general conditioning. Basically, he was at the fucking back. And they were like, look, mate. Do you know what? I'm going to say it. What? I think it's awful, the reasoning they put out behind the statement. Because he's a player that he's spoken honestly about his weight battles. And he's spoken about, I think Pivak did it to him, so he's got to shift 12 kilos of timber. It's quite common, though. No, but just the reason, just outing someone like that, the reason we've dropped him from the squad here is, and it, there's been a backlash about it on social media. There's been, of course, general conditioning. Yeah. Saying. But there's been a backlash around it. And Dai Young, who was his coach at Cardiff, when Pivak said some stuff about him, said, well, he plays 70 minutes and his fitness scores are pretty good at our place. So I. Coaches have their right to pick and drop anyone that they want. I just think how you handle stuff sometimes, you know, especially for someone like Reese Carey, who has openly talked about his his weight obsession and his issues and talking from a man who we've just laughed about my weight and things. I can talk about it from experience. It is something that, you know, he, it may send him down a, a dark hole for no reason. You could, you could just drop him from the squad without saying it's because he's, overweight or not fit enough or whatever. But you need, yeah, you, but you need to give a reason, don't you? And we are in a high-performance environment. Yeah, you can say that behind closed doors, though, I think, without 
Well, mate, it's an elite sport, isn't it? You've got to be fit. You've got to be conditioned for it. So I can understand about being nice and being kind to players, the way that you say things. I mean, the statement said he's fallen short in his general conditioning. But when have you when have you ever heard anyone any other coach say that about a player? There isn't many, is there? But I don't imagine... I mean, if he's fallen short in conditioning, he must be pretty far down the pecking order when it comes to the fitness stuff. If he's been given lines and parameters to meet, it'd be like, mate, you've got a World Cup. Yeah, and that's his responsibility, right? But I just think how you handle things, especially coming out of Wales with everything that's gone on there this year, the culture and everything that's gone on, and then you see players supposedly aren't happy in certain environments. I just think there's better ways to handle it. In my mind, I can't think of any or many instances where a coach has outed a player like that in public so openly when they're not in a great place as a country. Yeah, let me just rephrase that because looking at the statement, it was Wayne Pivak who said he'd fallen short in his general conditioning. That was a historic statement. The statement this time says, following ongoing discussions between the player and the Wales coaching team, Kari has failed to meet individual performance targets set at the end of the 2023 Guinness Six Nations. So they've even put the sponsor's name in there. <laughs> so they've gone fully official on that. So they've not mentioned his weight. They've just yeah. said that he's missed his individual performance targets which means he's at the back of the fitness so i imagine i mean how, how do you want to package that yeah interesting though isn't it like how harsh can you go on a player on why they've missed out on a squad yeah i mean you don't often get coaches be that honest i suppose do you and putting a proper statement out there as to why i wish fern cotter said to me i'm not picking you because I, I didn't i don't like you you didn't shake hands well i'd rather him say that but in the public domain or yeah i'd rather him say i've not picked him because i don't like him is that why you didn't get picked for 2015 World Cup? Two-step lob, you'd have won it. Without doubt. Without doubt. Who could not like you, Jim Hamilton? Well, there you go. I was, I'm, hey, love or hate, that was it. I'd rather than come out and say the reasons why. And it's not about putting pressure on him, but people be wondering, Reese Carey, captain of the under-18s, under-19s, like a star coming through. Why has he been dropped out of a 54-man squad? Yeah. Mm. Well, he's at the back of fitness, that's why. Well, all right, well, fair enough. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit old school. The boys best be fit, eh? They're going to need to be, if anything. But they always are. Gatland teams are always fit. England hasn't named a squad yet. Why are they leaving it so late? Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it, in terms of what is the right decision? Name it really early, name it next week. Does it really matter? Probably not. You know, when everyone gets in camp, everyone's going to have a different idea of how to pan out the next three months but June July August and you in in August you're in the game so you can't do too much and one of the great things about the World Cups is they're always kind of September October time so it gives the coaches a big chunk of time with their players prior to the tournament which when you hear about Six Nations campaigns you've heard excuses from a lot of coaches going oh, I don't get enough time with the players and blah. but then there is the balance of and it's going to be a really hard balance of living in hotels, training your ass off for weeks on end. How much time do you give back to get on a holiday, to go to families, see your kids, say goodbye to the kids because they're too noisy, you want to go back to camp. It's a really hard balance and it's not the same for everyone. And I think back to 2015, I remember being on holiday in Santorini and it was August time. And I remember Sam Burgess was on holiday in Santorini at the same time just loving life, pictures everywhere. And I'm thinking, why aren't they in camp getting beasted? And they had been, obviously, but that was a damn week, so he's gone away. 
then you think back to pre-season how fucking hard it is and you get home to your own house every night in pre-season unless you're away on a camp somewhere with your team but it's not an enjoyable time of the year is it Jim pre-season it's hard you get home you can't walk you can't sit on the toilet you've got doms galore so it's going to be a really fine balance for every coach to work out how far you push each player and your team and Borthers, I think they're meeting up next week, aren't they, the England group? He's told a lot of players. I know there's a lot of individual phone calls going around. And, you know, sometimes leave a bit later, creates a bit more hunger. And then Fuzz goes, well, we're going to fucking win it. We're going to train hard every day. And he, he will, but not everyone can train to his intensity. So unless you win it, you're wrong. Unless you win the World Cup, you look back on it and coaches will analyse everything they've done and go, I could have done that, but I got that right. At the minute, it's a plan that they think is the right plan. And I don't think it really matters when you announce your squad. It's when you start training and how you handle all that stuff when it begins. Andrew, some inside knowledge from yourself then. You might have got it from Bracey. You might have got it from sources. Who misses out on England? Don't know. Ben Irwin's a big one for me. Are you saying Ben Irwin misses out on the wider squad? No, I'm not. But we're now sort of sat there looking at who's going to miss out. But we've talked about Ben L, who wasn't involved too much in the Six Nations. I think he's came off the bench against Italy, but he's been tearing up trees. I'm, I'm trying to find something that we'll be shocked by when the, the score gets announced. I don't know. Scrum half? Scrum half, you know, if he picks three, it'll be, for me, it'll probably be Ben Youngs, Alex Mitchell, and Jack Van Portfleet. You don't think he goes for a Gus War or a Rafi Quirk? Would he go four? He might have four in the squad. And then you've got to choose between Ben Spencer and, for me, Rafi Quirk or Gus War. I, I, I don't think a big name misses out. I heard Matt Rogerson's going to be in it, James. London Irish skips. Interesting. Friend of the show. Yep. This is the thing. With England, as bad as it's been, the premiership this season, off the pitch, you look at the quality, especially in the bat row, the bat three. We've gone over the scrum halves. There's a lot to choose from, is what I'm saying. Here's a shout. This is what I wanted, Andrew. Come on. I might be completely wrong. I don't know anything. Give me a hint and I'll see if I can guess. You want a what could be considered a big name that might not make it on form. Give me a hint. In the back row. Oh. Was poor in the Six Nations. Don Brandt. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't make it. I, I don't know. I'm just saying that. He's not in the squad, Goody. Is no, that what you're telling us? No I, don't, no, I don't know anything. What I'm saying is, wouldn't actually surprise me. Like you expect, everyone talks about, you know, the, the eights over the last few years. And Don Brandt's played a lot. You know, him and Simmons, Billy's back into form now. So do you have three number eight, Simmons, Don Brandt and Billy? I don't know. So maybe Don Brandt misses out, maybe Simmons misses out. Yeah, but Billy's been out injured. Could you put Tom Pearson at eight? What about Tom Willis? Yeah, uh, no, I don't think Tom Willis is close enough. Jack Willis, mm. Ted Hill I'd like to see in the mix, but I don't think he will be. Then you've got Curry, you've got Jack Willis on fire, who actually ironically is still playing in the top 14. Semi-finals coming up this weekend. Could I see Don Brandt not being in it? Possibly. On form, he wasn't at his anywhere near his best during the Six Nations. So that might be one. I might just lob that out there. Who knows? It's huge. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. 
The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. It's going to be a pretty exciting World Cup to be fair because there's so many teams that could win it. There's two Northern Hemisphere teams at one and two in the world. Uh, Scotland, they could win it. Thank you, Andy Rowe. I thought it was tumbleweed. I just uh, some tumbleweed there. And then, and then you've got the box and and New Zealand, who no, one, no one's talking about. And then you've also, um, yeah, you've got Australia, who are not going too badly now. With well, they're going to have Eddie Jones behind them. They're a good young side. And you've got England. Oh, who? And there you, not- you go, Jim. <laughs> Andrew, like, let me just give my two pence worth on this, right? So this is why the World Cup is going to be so exciting because of the way that Andy Rose just briefly outlaid it there. You've got Ireland number one. Look at the pool that they're in. Look at the side of the draw. If and when they get through to the quarterfinals, they're going to play France or New Zealand. Joint most successful team in World Cup history with three World Cups under their belt. You've got France host nations. So that's who Ireland are going to face on that side of the pool. And then you look at the other side of the pool. You've got a team that's been in four finals Won one of them in 2003, was in a final in 91, back in the archives, Andrew, thanks for reminding me, lost to Australia. 2007 against South Africa, lost, and won in 2019, lost to South Africa, but a team that's got history going all the way is England. We know it. You look at the size side of the pool, you look at the form of Owen Farrell, you look at the form of Manu Tuolangi, if they can get the balance of the back row, Ask me the question, Goody. Here we go, answer. Jim. Ask me the question. Are England going to win the World Cup? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you look at the history, and this is why the excitement into this World Cup, I'm not just saying it because historically we're like South Africa, New Zealand. The fact that it's in France, and France have got Anton Dupont, and the hysteria, having spent a bit of time in France with my new job, I can't wait for that sort of thing. No one's speaking about the All Blacks. South Africa, what are they going to be like with Sia Khaleesi? Is he going to make it? It looks like he will. Ebenezer Beth's been struggling. Who are they going to go for 10? Is it Manny Leboc? There's talk of him not even making the squad in South Africa. Andre Pollard at 10. Australia under Eddie Jones with the players that they're looking to bring in. Like genuinely, yeah. you actually look at it as so difficult to call. Yeah. Most wide open World uh, Cup ever. It is. There you go. You've said it. Most wide open ever. There's always a massive result, right? Every every tournament is a massive result. Yeah. Ireland not getting down their pool last time. Japan, South Africa, the time before that. What's the big result in this tournament? Ireland not getting out of their pool? No, Ireland are getting out of their pool. I'm going to say... Ireland are getting out of their pool. I'm going to say yeah. Scotland beat South Africa. I've convinced you. And South Africa I've don't get that. out of their pool. Really? No chance. I think either England or Australia go all the way to the final. Really? I know that they'll get to the semi because of the way that their pools are, are mapped out. Yeah. But I think one of them get all the way to the final. And that's the thing. Whoever wins it, if anyone wins it from the side of the draw of New Zealand, South Africa, Ireland, France, those groups, you've done it the damn done hard, it the way. hard way. So, yeah. so one of those quarterfinals, don't they then go over and play the winner, either Australia or England on the other yeah. side in the semi? Yeah. Yeah, but we don't, because uh, it's so hard. Like, previous World Cups, you could kind of predict things, couldn't you? Until the Japanese beat South Africa and stuff like that. But the reality of it is, there's five teams 
into four places on that side of the draw, and I include Scotland in that. So Scotland, South Africa, Ireland, France, New Zealand. And I'm not belittling the other teams in that. You've got five of you know the top, what is Scotland now? Seventh, sixth, Jim? Fifth. Fifth. Are you actually fifth in the world? Andrew, we're fifth in the world, mate. Congratulations. Highest ever. It doesn't mean anything, though. No, it doesn't mean anything. But you've got the, those five. On the other side, you've also got five because you've got Argentina, Japan, England. You've got six, actually. Fiji, Wales and Australia. And without sounding too harsh, that's the easiest side of the draw. So whoever wins it from... If someone wins it from that first side, you've beaten everyone decent, you know, and people are saying England and Australia, as Jim just did then, have got relatively straightforward pathways through to... Yeah, you're going to be tested by Japan and Argentina, but you'd be devastated if you didn't win your group and then win the quarterfinal against Wales or Fiji or you know, if Australia. I can't see them slipping up under Eddie to get to a semi. And then it's how deep she squad, how battered is everyone. And you'd expect England's then England have got a fine balance of their first two games are the big two in the group. Argentina, then Japan back to back, they're your big two games. So there's no build up through the group of, you know, some of the supposed lesser nations. Then you've got the easier games, Chile and you'd expect us obviously to beat Chile without disrespecting them. But then you've got a week off and then you've got get your bodies back together because you're getting absolutely smashed to bits by Samoa. You should win the game, but physically that's going to be a big challenge. And you look at a lot of the other teams, how fresh is your squad getting to the knockout stages? And, you know, we're going to see red cards, we're going to see injuries. There's so much water to go under the bridge in terms of actual in-tournament differences and things that are going to unfold. But it's super exciting because you've got a lot of teams that could go and win it and you've got, you know, tough pools to get out of because James has promised to change the draw for the World Cup in 2027 to a year out, eh, Jim? World Rugby? Mm, I don't know if I've got that much influence, <gasps> but can I answer Andy Rowe's question? Go on. Not that you've asked me this question, but I'm going to give you an answer to a question you've not asked. Not that it's a shock, but I think Georgia get out of their group, Paul C. They've got Wales, Australia, Fiji and Portugal. And chatting to the Beast, he thinks Fiji get out of that, Paul. I think Georgia... Get out of that pool. I think Australia top it. And I think Georgia, and we know that they beat Wales in Wales, but I think Georgia yeah, you're right. can get to the quarterfinals. Let's say it, England-Georgia quarterfinal or England-Fiji. You've either got a scrum mm. or you've got to run and tackle. You've got to pick one. Scrum or run. Pick one, Andrew, out of pool C. I'll back Fiji over Georgia. Got talent galore from 12, 13, 14, 15. Exactly. And that's where Tonga could be dangerous with the players that are going to have in the bat line. Malachi Fekatoa, the Piatau brothers, Sioni and Charles Piatau, Israel Folau. I know people don't like hearing that name, but one of the most gifted rugby players ever to have played the game. Greg Laidlaw said he is the freakish of freakishly good athletes. So they're going to have him playing as well. And on that, here's one for you, Jim. I read a Nigel Owens, I think it was like a world 15 ever that he'd refereed and he picked Israel Folau at fullback. Handing him an olive branch, an olive branch, sorry, I say a branch, you call it a branch. We'll be at Twickenham for England's warm-up game against Wales on the 12th of August for a live show in the stadium with myself, Goody, Chris Ashton and Andy Powell. 
You can join us for a three-course menu live show post-match Twickenham tea and all-inclusive bar. You'll have access from three and a half hours before the game and an hour after the game with premium seats to watch the match. You get 10% off to join us for the live show for either of the summer series for both Wales and Fiji with the code POD10. You can book online via twickenhamstadium.com forward slash hospitality. And we have a pitch view table for four in the lock to give away for free, plus a meet and greet with Goody and Ashy and Pally and myself and walk pitch side before kickoff. To enter, just check out our Instagram at 6 p.m. Tonight, that's Tuesday, 6pm tonight, check out our Instagram. Well, let's look at the news then, because London Irish, it's all that's sort of been bubbling away since the end of the season. What's the latest with that, Goody? Well, I was down at London Irish, as I said, last week with Construction Sport, shout out to them, at the training ground, and it was the Tuesday when it was decision day, you know, would they have a place in the Premiership? They gave them a seven-day extension because the RFU were assured that the wages would be paid, which was on the last day of the month, and that they needed a little bit more time to get the takeover to go through. Things have developed since then. Apparently, Mick Cross and the owner only paid them 50% of their wages that they were due. They've still got the extension by this point, which ironically is today for the listeners, Tuesday this week, if you're listening later in the week, and we're obviously recording on a Monday. But effectively, the, the deadline again is tomorrow. But on Friday, they're issued a winding up order by HMRC for unpaid tax. So I don't know, if you're the people investing and looking to buy it and the consortium that they're speaking to around buying London Irish, oh, by the way, here's a winding up order as well. It just doesn't look good. Then the government announced that they're putting a task force together to help out professional rugby the same day as... Oh, it's all right then. If the government are getting involved... Well, this is the thing that they're, they're putting <laughs> people. They're Go putting get people some more players. There. They're putting people in there to look at it, and then same day, they HMRC are putting a winding up order in, in them for unpaid tax. So it's a whole mess, and I'm desperately hoping that London Irish can find a way of putting themselves through with this new consortium from America, whatever it is. But as the days go by, it looks bleak. It really does, and it will be desperately sad to lose another. If it does happen, lose another massive club in the history of Premiership Rugby and what they've done, not only in the Premiership since it's been that, but years gone by and you know the history of the club around the fact that it was exiles, London Irish, the exiles, the Irish exiles of London, the history that goes with the whole club. And we're going back years and years. We're not going back just 20 years of Premiership Rugby. We're going back, you know, 100 years whenever it was formed. And yeah, that's the sad thing. If it does happen, whether they then drop to the Championship and then there's that whole issue. We saw that with Worcester and Wasps. No place in the champo for either of those two. So, yeah, desperately sad times. And I cannot, I genuinely cannot see how this deadline tomorrow, Tuesday, will be adhered to and everything will be rosy in the future for them, which is unfortunately very, very sad. I can't see it either. You've got to ask questions, right? And not to point the finger at Simon Massey-Taylor, this has been brewing for the last few years, as we know. But You say it's been brewing. Do you remember, Jim, when we got to the end of COVID and we were like, how good is it that no clubs have gone bust? Mm. And now, now we're here. It's been, it's been teetering. So not to point the finger at Simon Massey-Taylor, but unfortunately, mate, you need to front it. You've got to say what's happening. You've got to tell the fans what the strategy is going forward. Worst case scenario, best case scenario, Someone needs to say something. I don't think it's fair 
on people that have supported these clubs that are worried about other clubs. I know that we've mentioned Newcastle. I've mentioned Newcastle a few times. I don't know whether it's true. I don't know what's not true, but I've heard London Irish in the background for the last few months. I said another team to follow. I was meaning London Irish when I said that from everything that I heard, but I didn't want to say it. But at some point, people at the top who are running the show, which unfortunately for him at this moment is Simon Massey-Taylor, on his watch, two teams have disappeared. There's going to be another team. I, I can't see it being resolved in London Irish. Something needs to be said, I think, to people that support rugby, to the sponsors, what's being said to Gallagher, what's being said to the TV, rights, what's being said to the other clubs. From what I'm hearing, nothing. Yeah. So someone needs to front up and, and talk about best case scenario, worst case scenario, and what the future looks like. Because let's be honest, the next few months, the World Cup is going to mask a lot of the problems that we've had. Yeah. And a lot of these problems, and we were going back and forth, Goody, weren't we, on over the weekend on my hour of screen time, I dedicated five minutes to you. Thank you, James. But look at the, t look at the top 14. It is thriving, better, bigger than it's ever been. Ever than it's ever been. They're flying. And then going into a World Cup and they'll come out of it flying as well. What does the Premiership look like coming out of the World Cup when rugby's going to be at a point where all the eyes are on commercially, it's the best time to piggyback the hysteria of a World Cup. And if we go on the predictions, England get to a final that I've just said, how as the Gallagher Premiership are you going to piggyback that hysteria? Yeah. What does it look like? And we've not heard anything. No. The big thing for me is, and we spoke about it this season actually, it needs to be, like the NFL, an individual commissioner that runs it properly. It's still... And this is the time to do it now. Clubs have gone by the wayside. We've lost two, could lose three. We need an individual commissioner to set a framework and say, this is what you've got to abide by. This is how the game's run. And Jim's right. Simon Massey-Taylor, and in a little bit of his defence, he took over when it was a bit of a shit show in terms of COVID, debts of the club, the salary cap issues, all that stuff. And it's all a crescendo now of the history of how we've got to this point, right? And you need an individual commissioner who makes all the decisions for the league and takes the power off the clubs because they've all been fighting for years for what's best just for them. And this is where it's got to us. The point of now where we've losing, we've lost two, potentially could lose another. Who knows after that? Where does it stop? But, you know, Jim mentioned a few of the clubs. Sale, who got to the final, don't own their ground. You know, they're actively trying to and they've been trying to do that. I think they had some plans pushed back. And there's other clubs as well. You know, the biggest club in the land, Leicester, had to have an injection of 13 million quid this year. I think it was about 13 million, give or take, from Peter Tom and Tom Scott, the two biggest shareholders. And they openly said, if we didn't have that, we'll go into administration. So that's... to reiterate, Goody, Leicester are the biggest club. Yeah. Most well-supported, history, tradition... Most valuable, I imagine, if they sold. And that's what they had to go through. Yeah. £30 million injection from a guy that already owns the club. Yeah. So let's get Jim Hamilton and Andy Good as the uh, Premiership Rugby Commissioners. <laughs> and we Absolutely would sort this shit out. Not. No, okay. No, yeah. I'd be Cowboys and Indians, mate. No. It's not It's not just the Premiership, though. Because if you, if you look at New Zealand, we're pretty lucky down there that, that they have that big injection from Silver Lake. Yep. And then you look at the Australian rugby union. You say lucky though, Andy Rowe, you say lucky, but that's built on a brand though. So the All Blacks have built equity by having such a strong brand. And you remember what the All Blacks used to do. They didn't have a front of shirt sponsor. They didn't want to go down that route, which, and again, kind of give it this mystique 
to the point where when they've got Outriders front of shirt sponsor, it became so valuable because no one had ever done it. So Yeah, they started with AIG and then got Outred. There you go. So they've had two front of shirt sponsors. So I don't think it's lucky. I think they've built such a big brand and that's what success looks like when you build a brand that's that strong, but then you go out and raise investment. So I think the All Blacks have done it right, haven't they? The problem, I think the problem for New Zealand and what I believe, watching from afar now, is everything's driven to the All Blacks and I compare it to England cricket, right? The county game used to thrive at cricket. And I know, you know, there's changes now with the hundred and different concepts that there are full stadiums, but test matches sell out. County games, no one watches them. Mm. And in New Zealand, everyone wants to watch the All Blacks. It's the big thing, but numbers of fans that are going through the gates of Super Rugby to watch the New Zealand teams would be down massively. Yeah. Apart from at the start of the year when the sun's out. Yeah. It's a so there's, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer really, but Jim's right in everything he said about the All Blacks then and what they built up. But the All Blacks also realised this year, over time and over the last couple of years, that they don't, they're just the big power on their own. They need a strong Australia. They need other countries around them to keep that mystique and keep that ability to, you know, still demand what they can demand. It's, I guess my point is that you see. La Rochelle, how the the fan base there is a business model that sh that generates money for the club. Yeah, I know there's big investment, but then you look at New Zealand and Australia, and you're like, okay, you've got investors coming in, but how is that business model actually making money? If you take the investors out, if they decide to pull the pin, you're going under. Like, what? How is how is it? Well, the All Blacks have yeah, the All Blacks have taken their game over to America as well. You've seen the games that they've put on over there when they've played Ireland, they realise that theirs is a global brand. Australia is very different because of where rugby union's gone. It's fallen by the wayside to other sports. But bringing Eddie Jones in, I think, has been a stroke of genius. You look at how strong the NRL is yeah. over there as well. So it is fixable in what they're doing, but you've got to make big decisions and you've got to move quickly now because we are getting left behind. I know we're going down a rabbit hole here, but I still think there's enough in Australia rugby. I think the All Blacks have got a great model to do it. Stepping into Japan. But, well, Japan, of course, is a huge growth market as well and huge commercial opportunity. Everyone keeps talking about the US as well being the golden goose in eight years' time. USA. Going into the USA. We all want that to happen. But France are leading the charge. I think France is just going to accelerate forward. Ireland to a degree as well. Their commercial model that they've got. But you just look at France. Like the buy-in from the tribalism yeah. that they have around some of their teams. They're unapologetic about what they are. Yeah, it's, it is a story and a conversation for another day. But I, we go, I go back to my original point. We can't shy away from what's happened in English rugby, how quickly the house has fallen. It is the season finale, lads. So it's time to wrap things up. Let's look at, first of all, who's your favourite guest and then maybe your favourite moment from the season. Oh, We've had a load of good guests, haven't we? We have. We have. Andy Rowe, you steal the show first. You go your favourite guests and then I'll hit you with mine. Oh, have to be Andy Friend. Good shout. Oh. Friendy. Good shout. Very good shout. How good was his story on uh, on, on Matt Hansen as well? Just It just felt like you're sitting, sitting at the table having a beer with him, didn't you? Having a jar. Yeah. Having a schooner with yeah. him. Having a jar, having a bloody jar. I like a schooner, I don't like a jar. Uh, yeah, Andy Friend, he was good. We've had a few good guests. I'll be honest, ours was fairly recent. 
my favourite guest, and this is because it's going to give us real longevity into the future. Ooh. Nick Gill, Gilly, oh, the yeah. Watt Bike King, yeah. the saviour, the All Blacks fitness coach. Not only was he a great guest, but he's given us longevity here. So he's been my favourite. He's given me a chance in the gym. You said Olive Branch earlier. He's given you that opportunity to be the best version of yourself. He's given me an olive tree, I think, not just a branch. <laughs> um, who did I? Do you know what? And this might sound a bit weird to people. We had some great guests on Henry Slade. I enjoyed Theo Dan last week. Just guys just being themselves. Jack Knoll and all sorts of different people. Do you know who I appreciated probably the most coming on? That was Gregor Townsend. Scotland's what? head coach. Ooh. Pre-Six Nations. Look at Jim perking up. I know. Oh, we've been nice to each other. I love you, Jim. Oh, Gregor. When are we next going to see each other? But no, actually, Gregor giving up his time as Scotland's head coach when there was loads of questions around his contract, loads of questions around the Six Nations, where you go and what you're doing, the fallout with Finn, Finn's back in love with each other, with him, all this stuff. He came on and he was brilliant. He was honest. He was an international head coach giving up his time for the rugby pod, for me and Jim and you, Andy Rowe. Being himself. Being mm. himself, yeah. And that's, I, I try and do this podcast as authentically as possible. There's never angles on, you know, trying to sell something or do something or whatever. It's just what I think. And it might be wrong, might be right. People might agree, but people might disagree. But genuinely try and do it authentically. And I thought Gregor Townsend came on and he was authentic and I really appreciate his time. So Gregor Townsend gets it for me. You know, you talk about selling things on here. I'm the same. I'm just myself. But I do want to mention Maul and Brawl again. <laughs> <laughs> what deals have you got on for us, Jim? Can you get 10% off if you use the code RugbyPod when you sign up to maulandbrawl.com? Big Jim 10. Yes, Andrew Rowe. Thank you. Or Big Jim 10. You can do either. So RugbyPod 10 or Big Jim 10. That 10 means you get 10% off. But talking of selling things... It's flying out the door, so you need to get in quick. Last week, we had about six orders. So <laughs> if you want to get your Moreland Brawl, you go to moorlandbrawl.com, and that's the website, and you can get yourself some lovely moisturiser. You can get yourself some dark honey and tobacco shower gel, some beard oil if you've got a beard. If you haven't, you can just bang it on your head as well. It effectively does the same thing. And you can smell amazing. You can smell like me. Any cream for the gooch? I genuinely, the moisturiser, if it's broken skin, I probably wouldn't advise putting it on there. <laughs> but if it's not broken, you can bang the moisturiser on it. It'll feel absolutely amazing. So the tag... It'll help me on the what bike. There we okay. go. So the tagline is, Andrew, for men that... Maul. And women that... Brawl. There you go. Maulandbrawl.com. We're not selling anything here. This is life. This is my life. There is some ambush marketing, if I've ever seen it. Well done. That's what we do. Well done. And your favourite moments... Guys, I've got one. One for me. Hold on, Andy Rowe's got one, Jim. All right, go on, Andy Rowe, what you got? Andy Rowe wants input. Walking out on the stage to the O2 and people chanting, my, no, people chanting for the rugby pod. That was epic. Loved it. What a moment. Well, yeah, it was. Well, unfortunately, Andy Rowe, this moment that involves mine, you weren't there because it was the Usher Hall in Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> after I got sacked after the O2. Yeah. For the Usher Hall in Edinburgh, it was very different to how we'd done any live shows before, but the amount of people that were there, the fact that it was my home city, my wife Rebecca was there. I don't know whether that was an amazing thing. No, it was for her to see what I've become, what we have made of ourselves was pretty spectacular. So we've done the rounds, been over to Dublin loads this year. We've got a huge few months lined up in the World Cup coming up which will be amazing but I don't think anything will top 
walking out of the Usher Hall. It's the most nervous I've been for any live show that we've ever done before. And that's basically because of the enormity of the amount of people that were there. And it's in a historic venue. So I would say for me, hands down, was the Usher Hall in Edinburgh. Yeah. I feel you there, Jim, because that was unbelievable, wasn't it? That was your greatest performance, Scooter. Thank you. Stop going on about Usher Hall. No, it was amazing. And do you know what? No, it was amazing. I was so, so I was a bit nervous, and I had to walk out in a very tight Scotland shirt as well to try and win the crowd over. It did win them over. My nipples were in my pockets, effectively. They were. So yeah, no, that was amazing. I don't, yeah, I don't think you can top that. To be fair, O2 was class. Usher Hall was class. I just go back to one place though, one city, Dublin. It's my favourite place <laughs> in the world. We get to go over there three or four times a year. And I agree with both of you on those two, but to be different, any live show we've done in Dublin, the one where I end up going out with Dan Levy was class. Every time, even though I say I'm not going, coppers till whatever time. I love Dublin. I think Dublin loves us. Well, it does because we go there a lot and we get a good reception. And nights out in Dublin, spoiling their Guinness with a bit of blackcurrant, which I found out is 210 calories. <laughs> I'll keep my eye on that next time I go to Dublin. No, I won't. But yeah, any time in Dublin. And I think whether it's at D2, the Harcourt Hotel, staying at Ivea Gardens, going to Coppers, the shows we've had at Opium. I just love Dublin. It is my favourite city to be away from home at. So I've loved it. But good shout outs for everyone. O2, Usher Hall and Dublin. What a year it's been. There you go. Are we saying that this whole segment was sponsored by moreandbroad.com? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, lads. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, loads of good. We're going to have a bit of a focus on Super Ruggers this week, though, because Ooh. a lot of good stuff has come out of Super Ruggers and, you know, the season over in the URC and the Prem and the EPCR Champions Cup's finished. So, massive shout out to Michael Hooper, who played his 140th and final game in Sydney for the Waratahs. Unbelievable career for them. Obviously, he's going to go to the World Cup. Talk as well of him going to sevens, Andrew. Imagine being that old and thinking, do you know what I'll do? I'll have a crack at sevens. How are your lungs? <laughs> but he's got an engine, hasn't yeah. he? So maybe Olympics. And he's got probably one final game away from home, though, in the knockouts this week. So big shout out to Michael Hooper. Moana Pacifica, get a shout out as well. They got their first one in the season. The Dragons of Super Rugby, they're calling them. They got their first win of the season, beating the Waratahs, ironically, 33-24. So shout out to them. Fiji and Drua get a mention as well. They beat the Reds 41-17. But not only did they beat them, they've qualified for the quarterfinals, the playoffs. So big shout out to those boys from Fiji. Dane Coles. Andy Rowe's going to love this. <laughs> he gets a shout out. He's played his last ever home game in Wellington for the Hurricanes. Not only that, he had a bit of biff. It was nearly a bit of biff, wasn't it, with his hooking... Friend slash foe. Cody Taylor. Cody Taylor, yeah. Andy Rowe just testing there. He knows his ruggers. But the good thing for him is on his last home game, he absolutely battered the Crusaders <laughs> to get a victory on home soil. And then his club team performed the hacker for him from the stands. So big shout out to Dane Coles. Uh, sticking in New Zealand, Sir Wayne oh. Smith and his knighthood uh, in New Zealand's annual King's Birthday Honours. So he gets a big shout out, Sir Wayne. Probably the most decorated coach has ever been. Name me another, Jim. Don't think you can. I can't. I can't. But he's my former boxing coach, yeah. so I feel like I've been on that journey with him. Absolute legend, Sir Wayne Smith. <laughs> a shout out to you. Over to France, then Perpignan get a shout out in the good this week. They beat Grenoble away to stay up in the top fourteen in the relegation battle. 
Grenoble obviously finishing in the right position in Pro D Dirt to have that playoff game. And on that, oh my God, there's another Tuolangi on the loose. And we've seen... The biggest of the lot. Oh no, we've seen clips of it. And Jim, you were a second row. Pasolo Tuolangi, Henry's son, basically the biggest out of them all. How they keep getting bigger, I've got no idea. But Pasolo scored a try for Perpignan, 18 years of age. The biggest bloke on the field, the hardest bloke on the field probably. 145 kilos, six foot four, playing in the second row. Imagine lifting that. Well, they didn't need to because he was part of the front peel back yeah. and he went round the front. <laughs> he did, and no one was stopping him, were they? No. If that was you, you'd have to faint yeah. because he's running over you. Yeah. And it's great to see, isn't it? Like, obviously, Henry went out to play for Perpignan. He's a smashing bloke. The whole family are great. Senior son, 18 years of age, the size of him anyway. But at that level, I'm so chuffed for Henry. And obviously, Pasolo, he's going to have a big career, hopefully. He he's a big man. So, big shout out to Pasolo, Tuolangi, and Perpignan. Sticking in France, some away wins in the barrage game. So, quarterfinals effectively. Finn, Russell, and Co. at Racing, they beat their nearest and dearest rival, Stade Francais. To go through to the semi-finals, there'll be more on that game later. But big win for Racing away at Stade Francais. Bordeaux get a massive shout out in the good, and especially Madouche Tambwe, their wheels man, scored two absolutely awesome tries with crazy, crazy speed and wheels. They beat Lyon away from home, who have been class at home all year. That was a bit of a shock. So big win for Bordeaux. Two away wins in the barrage. Who says you can't win away from home in France? Well, Bordeaux and Rassing have proved us wrong and Perpignan actually this weekend. So big shout out to them. But the good this week, where am I going with this, Jim? To me in Paris. No. Well, it was great to see Jim no. in Paris nearly touching the World Cup. Great is better than good. Yeah, great is better than good. We are going to Georgia. Oh, yes. Uh, what about this? And I'm English, right? The good this week is going to Georgia under 20s, who beat England under 20s in a warm up game for the Under-20s World Cup, 40 points to 38. What a result that is for Georgia. You talk about growth of the game. They're coming. Jim said, it. actually, fuck it, Georgia are qualifying out of that group in Wales will be dusted by them. So massive shout out to the Georgian Under-20s. Fair play. That's a big, big result in the history, in the annals of time, the annals of time, you can't say that. But to get the first win over England at Under-20s level is absolutely huge. So... Georgia under-20s, you win the good this week. Wigsvilly.com. I know, rugby is about power, strength and size. And you think about how Georgian humans are made and the things that have been put in place there. They are coming round the mountain when they come. Yeah. Hoorah. And when they come, shout your man. Shout yes. your man. They'll be coming round the mountain when they come. Your, your man. <laughs> I was going to say something else. Oh, shit. Anyway, the bad, a few bits of bad. We're going to start off with the London Irish situation that we've spoken about. Fingers crossed for everyone tomorrow, Tuesday, that something happens and it goes through and the takeover happens and they're in the Premiership next year, even though, from what I understand, the Premiership only want a 10-team league. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled on that with the RFU's decision. Thoughts with everyone involved. And it's not just the players. And I said this to a few people. You've got to think more. There's way more staff at rugby clubs than there are players. Players will pick up other gigs. You feel really sorry and you feel really bad for the staff that effectively get made redundant, whether it's marketing, whether it's back office, whether it's ticketing, whether it's chefs, cleaners, whatever. They're the people that I feel for really badly as well. So thoughts with everyone at London Irish, but fingers crossed that situation sorts it out tomorrow. England on the 20s get a mention the bad this week. As we just found out, Georgia beat them. So they'll be wanting to pull their socks up before... 
the real action kicks off, but shout out to Georgia as well. But finally, the bad this week, I'm going to say it. It goes to the Welsh Rugby Union's press release on Rhys Curry saying he failed to meet individual performance targets. I don't think it was handled particularly well, especially with everything that's coming out of Wales and the feeling in the country. Uh, you've got a player who has openly spoke about his weight issues and that's why you've outed him as the reason he's been dropped from the squad. So the bad this week goes to the Welsh Rugby Union and their press release on Rhys Curry. Then the ugly, two bits of ugly. We're going to start off, I mentioned Finn earlier. No, Marcus Kremer, you don't do this to our Finn. You don't fly into a ruck with your heed into the back of Finn Russell's heed. Not having it. So Marcus Kramer got sent off for Stadfront saying, rightly so, for a head to the head or the heed to the heed of our Finn Russell. Finn went down holding his clutching the top of his head, didn't he? So a really stupid and crazy, dangerous clear out for Marcus Kramer. So he gets a mention in the ugly. But the ugly this week, he's been in it before. Mohamed Hawass. Absolute dirtbag. Mate. The worst bloke possible, I'm going to say it. There's history. He's had stuff with the police before where, was it burglary or something? Yeah, when he was younger. All this stuff. Anyway, doesn't get any worse than domestic violence against your wife. We've all seen the video of him dragging his wife on the floor. Absolutely disgusting. So, Mohammed Hawass, there's no Hawass for you. You're an absolute arse and you're going to get the ugly this week. We got any shout outs? We've got no individual shout outs this week, but we're going to do a massive shout out. Oh. To all our Rugby Pod fans, listeners, downloaders, subscribers, people that have come to the live shows throughout the year, we have been unbelievably touched with everything that's happened this year from the live shows. We mentioned them before. Usher Hall, O2, everywhere we've been, Belfast, Dublin, all over the place. It has been a massive year. And the feeling that we get, and I say this to a lot of people, it means a hell of a lot to the rugby pod and it means a hell of a lot to Jim and I to how people enjoy listening to our rugby pod, send us messages. And it makes a big difference to us, doesn't it, Jim, how we feel. And I know we make people smile and laugh at us and with us and people say how great it is and how much of an impact it's had on them just having that hour listening to us ramble on every week talking absolute shite. But... We love doing it. So to everyone that's contributed, to everyone, even if you just listened to it once, we are hugely appreciative. And I say to a lot of people, no one can remember how bad me and Jim were at rugby, but they talk to us about the pod a lot. So it means a hell of a lot to us. So thank you to absolutely anyone and everyone that has been a part of the podcast this season. And I will be back a slimmer and better version of myself for season eight. Yes, here is hoping. Season eight is going to be massive because it's the World Cup. But just going back through season seven... Like 100% agree with you. It's been a long year. I'm looking forward to a few weeks off in the sun and to regroup ahead of the World Cup. A lot's happened this year. You think about actually what we've gone through, the archives, all the way back through to the Six Nations, the stuff that we have to talk about that isn't great with the game. But I stand by this point. Rugby is an amazing sport. Yep. We are going to get through this time that we're in now. The World Cup in France is going to be absolutely amazing. And having the support of people for the pod, for myself and Goody, whether or not we're in studio, we're doing it remotely. We turn up every week. I think I've missed one week this year after Hong Kong. The fear. No, I was ill. Sorry, no, it wasn't. No, I was ill. <laughs> but to turn up every week and do it, love doing it. And we love talking about this game that has given us so much, albeit we weren't very good. We were great. See what I did there. See, I brought it back being positive so I look forward to starting the World Cup 
We're going to start a bit before, I think. Yeah, We're not going to start on August. the World Cup. With a bit, mm. bit of a build-up, August time, we'll be back. And Goody's going to be leaner. My hair's going to be longer. I'm going to be a stone heavier. And we'll be ready to go for a World Cup in France, which will be unforgettable because Scotland are going all the way. I don't know where we're going, but we're going all the way. I'm going all the way somewhere. I've got a final shout-out. Yeah, Sandy Rowe. It's a very special one, actually. Yeah. Oh. Someone that someone that puts in hours and hours of listening to the pod, probably more hours than anyone. Yes. Does all the work behind the scenes. Yes. Takes and a lot Tim's of abuse. Tim's a good lad. Tim's a good lad. <laughs> <laughs> producer Rob. Massive shout out to Producer Rob. Really, really puts in the hours. Grinds over the weekend to get us to guess and uh, puts up puts up with a lot from us, I'd he say. Does. He does. Rob's a legend, right? And do you know what? Jim, you said it the other week when we were chatting about Rob and his stag do's that he'd been on that he didn't want to talk about, but he wanted to talk about. I say next year, we get Rob. Don't produce one next year, Rob. Get in here and give a proper fan's eye view because you're a legend. A lot of hard work goes on behind the pod, behind the scenes, before we get on air. We don't hear the Geordie's voice. He's a legend. Absolutely love him to bits. Absolute ledge. Good on you, mate. Oh, thanks, lads. Thanks, producer Rob. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great summer, and we'll see some of you on Twickenham in August and or on the French Riviera during September. Check out our Instagram for all the details this week. Au revoir, mon ami. C'est très bien, c'est très fatigué encore. Goody chef fam. Rugby pod. Pod, 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 pod. Thank you to absolutely everyone. We'll see you in season eight. Uh-huh.